On today's show, Alperin Shingoon and Jalen Green absolutely dominant in the third quarter against the Detroit Pistons to give the Houston Rockets a 136-113 win. This was a four-point game at halftime, plus Jabari Smith Jr. returning from injury. Amin Thompson and Cam Whitmore making the most of their minutes off the Rockets bench and so much more to get to. It's all coming up right here on Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. Throw it up to Jalen Green. Shingoon here in the short row. Oh, my, that's the no look. Jabari for three and the win. Yeah! Look at Tari Eason. Here comes Tari. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. The Houston Rockets select Amen Thompson and Cam Whitmore. One thing I have never done is not made the playoffs, and so we want to take that step here as well. Six. Five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another edition of Locked On Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and credentialed media member. I'm also the host of Locked On NBA Mondays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin and the show, of course, at Locked On Rockets, free and available wherever you listen to your podcasts, including YouTube. Now, today's episode is brought to you by PrizePix, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use code all lowercase LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. The Houston Rockets getting the 136-113 win against the Detroit Pistons, a game that looked very different in the second half than it did in the first half. <clears throat> Pardon me, a little under the weather. But we're going to make it through this because this was a fun game. And I want to unpack exactly how this went from being a close game in the first half. Bit of a disappointingly close game, right? I mean, the Detroit Pistons are the team that are just coming off the longest losing streak in NBA history. And the Rockets just got one of their starters back. Yes, they're still missing Dylan Brooks. But this was a game where you're looking at it and it's like it's a trap game because the Rockets should absolutely beat the Pistons. So after a first half where you're like kind of scratching your head, like what's going on? Why are the Rockets only up four points? They woke up in a big way in that third quarter and it had to do with some of the adjustments that they made. And I want to give a little bit of credit here to specifically Jalen Duran, who did, a, I think, a really, really phenomenal job guarding Alperin Shingun there in the first half. And part of it was also just the way that the Rockets were trying to attack Jalen Duran. He's a massive guy. He's incredibly strong. And... Just traditional post-ups are not going to work against Jalen Dern. I think this is one of the best times that we've seen a player actually defend Alpi just straight up in the post because every time Alpi tried to go post up Jalen Duran, he wasn't getting like deep seals on Jalen Duran. He wasn't like down near the bat. He was like posting him up from like the three-point line because Jalen Duran was not letting him get a good seal. And, and when Alpi was trying to back him down, he wasn't going anywhere. So shout out to Jalen Duran, who's incredibly strong and defended Alpi pretty well one-on-one -on -one in the first half. Alpi was just uh, three of seven, I believe, in the first half of this game and, you know, only had a handful of points, six points. It, it didn't look great. And then the Rockets adjusted there in the third quarter. And what they wound up doing is they figured out that they could attack Jalen Duran on the move. And so they ran a few sets early in the third quarter uh, to get Alpi on the move, attacking Jalen Duran, coming out of the pick and roll with Fred Van Vliet and 
that led to a couple quick fouls on on, on Duran, and he had to sit down. And once Jalen Duran had to sit down, that's when the evening went from good to great because Alperin Shingun went on a tear against James Wiseman, who had zero answer for defending him in the post, face up out of pick and roll, whatever it was, Alperin Shingun was feasting. He posted 20 points and four dimes in that third quarter. He is easily your locked on Rockets player of the game in this one. And again, part of it was just the uh, the way that they were able to identify, hey, LP can't go to work in the post like he usually does because Jalen Duran's actually doing a pretty good job defending him. So how do we adjust, right? How do we open this game up? And they attack Jalen Duran out of out of the pick and roll. They attacked him while he was on the move, led to some quick fouls. Jalen Duran had to sit down. James Wiseman comes in, and then the Rockets completely explode over the course of the rest of that third quarter. Alperin Shingun dominant, running the offense, getting guys involved, setting up guys, setting up, you know, shots for Jalen Green. He had this one Really beautiful little give-and-go play with Jalen, which I want to talk about a little bit more here in, in segment two as well because it really feels like last year one of the best versions of Houston Rockets offense was the Jalen Green Alperin Shingun two-man game. And I even had a chance to ask Ime Odoka about it earlier this season about why we're seeing so much less of that two-man game this year. And understandably, Fred Van Vliet's going to have the ball in his hands a lot, and, and he's developed a great two-man game with Shingun as well. But I do feel like at times, Jalen has kind of suffered by not being given those two-man game reps playing with Alp, especially with an empty corner. And the play that I want to refer to, you know, here to you right now is <clears throat> in that third quarter where... Alperin Shingun and Jalen Green had a little give-and-go two-man game where Jalen pitches the ball to Al P. He's kind of at the elbow, and then Jalen kind of does a little shake, you know, sidestep, and then cuts back door to the basket, and Al P immediately feeds him the ball back, and he gets a bucket. It's, it's that little two-man game, whether it's a traditional pick-and-roll, whether it's a DHO, whether it's, you know, a give-and-go dribble handoff like that. <clears throat> That two-man game between Jalen and Alpi works so well because Alpi is unselfish with the ball and he's absolutely looking for cutters. And so for Jalen Green in that moment, getting him, you know, playing him off ball, using his speed to beat his defender back door and get an easy bucket right there at the rim and Alpi just serving up the, you know, the dime on a silver platter, serving up the bucket like that, it was beautiful. So... I really liked what we saw out, you know, out of Alperin Shingun, and and I highlighted this during the game that, and I want to talk about Jalen because Jalen was was massive there in that third quarter as well. But the way that Alpi generally starts games, if Alpi struggles in the first quarter, first half of a game, he generally bounces back pretty well in the second half. And I'm I, I haven't like dug into the stats. I'm just going off pure eye test here. He's such a high IQ guy that if he's struggling in the first half, he's going to sit down at halftime and they're going to adjust, they're going to figure things out. And that's exactly what happened there in that third quarter. And part of it too, Ime Odoka addressed this post game. He said that one of the things that he told Alperin Shingun at halftime was to just play and to stop looking for fouls, to stop trying to, you know, draw contact and make things happen. Just go out there and play. And that's exactly what Alperin Shingun did. Shout out to the one 
the one and one that he got uh, on Wiseman where he was literally like falling down, ripped his arms through. And I actually, I, I don't even think the foul was on Wiseman. Somebody had reached in, uh, you know, the, the help defense had reached in and swiped across Alpi's arms and he just ripped up through the contact and like flung the ball at the basket and it went in. And that was the point where like he's walking away with just this big smile on his face. Everybody knows like it's game over at that point. If you're hitting those kinds of shots, uh, it, it's, it's getting pretty ridiculous. That was an all-star Third quarter from Alperin Shagun again, 20 points and four assists just in that quarter on his way to an insane night of 26 points on nine of 13 shooting. He had nine assists for the evening, four boards, three steals. And the last thing I want to highlight here, <clears throat> which we've highlighted before, and this is an, a, a huge area of growth for Alperin Shagun, is the free throw shooting, right? It's it doesn't matter if you draw fouls at an elite rate if you're going to the free throw line and going one of two or O of two every time you're at the stripe. And there was a period of time where Alper and Shingun was really struggling to hit free throws. And he's shooting something like 80 and a half percent, like, like I don't know, something, something north of 80% over these last 10 games from the charity stripe. And that is huge growth from Alper and Shingun for a guy that can get to the free throw line pretty much at will if you're guarding him in single coverage because, again, of his array of moves, the spins, the fakes, all this, he's going to get your team in foul trouble and he's going to get to the free throw line. The question was for a while, just is he going to be able to hit these free throws at a consistent rate? Shot eight of nine from the stripe, from the stripe in this game. That's what you love to see out of him. That's a star level player, somebody that can get themselves going at the free throw line and somebody who adjusts over the course of a game. And yeah, he had a, he had a rough first half, couldn't get it going against Jalen Duran. The Rockets as a team adjusted, they attacked him in new ways in the second half and it led to an absolutely dominant quarter where the Rockets posted 47 points and turned this game from a four-point, tightly contested match into an absolute blowout there in the third quarter. Coming up, I do want to talk about Jalen Green and his third quarter as well because Jalen had kind of, you know, a, a, I can't call it a quiet third quarter, uh, but he he had a strong third quarter as well next to Alperin Shingun. Uh, want to highlight him, Jabari Smith Jr.'s return, what we saw to him, as well as Amin Thompson and Cam Whitmore making the most of their minutes off the Houston Rockets bench. We're going to get there in just one moment. First, today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. PrizePix is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. They're the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports because it's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you just pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. It's that simple. Look, PrizePix is so easy to play. You can make your picks and submit an entry in less than 60 seconds. They've got quick withdrawals and easy gameplay and an enormous selection of players and different stat types, which is what makes PrizePix the number one DFS app on the market and with basketball season here and in full swing you can now do combo projections across football and basketball from the specials league a league created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players from different sports or leagues for example you can do lebron james plus travis kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three pointers made plus reception so if you've been thinking about getting into daily fantasy sports give prize picks a chance go to prizepicks.com slash locked on nba and use code locked on nba for a first deposit match up to 100 again that's prizepicks.com slash locked on nba for a first deposit match up to 100 prize picks is daily fantasy sports made easy and continuing on here at locked on rockets your daily podcast home for everything houston rockets basketball i want to also highlight here jalen green who was another huge reason that the rockets were so dominant in that third quarter playing the way that i think jalen 
can can play at a a, a consistent level, um, and b something where it's not necessarily like Jalen wasn't you know. Jalen didn't take over that third quarter by himself, right? It wasn't just, you know, hero ball Jalen Green where he's hitting Hail Mary shots and he's on a hot streak from three or something uh, like he was, you know, against the Phoenix Suns where he couldn't miss and shot six of 12 from three and the process was a little bad. This was the type of performance from Jalen that I think is sustainable, but it's all just based on whether or not he's knocking down shots. Uh, And so for Jalen, he was playing off of other guys a lot. And I do think Jalen green as an off ball threat is actually one of his strengths that I don't think this team has highlighted nearly enough this season. I remember highlighting, you know, throughout his rookie year and even at various points throughout last season, how much better Jalen green had gotten at understanding how to move off ball, right? How to find the little pockets, the little windows where he can drift and and be open for a three-pointer or cutting back door and using his speed to get to the rim while his defender, you know, turns his head or something like that. And so I do think for Jalen, a guy who at the end of the day, you know, Jalen's got a, a, a bit of a weaker handle than you would like for a year three guard. He still hasn't bulked up considerably here in year three. He doesn't have the best, you know, finishing package around the rim, especially through contact. So what are the ways that you can mitigate some of Jalen Green's weaknesses as an offensive player, right? Play him off ball, right? Let him be a catch and, th- a catch and shoot threat. Let him be a, ba- you know, a, a cutting threat. Let him play off of guys like Fred and Alperin Shingun, but get him in motion, right? Get him moving. Get him coming off of little pin downs so that he can catch and shoot when he's wide open. Don't just give Jalen the ball and tell him to attack a, a defense that's set and playing him straight up because that's really, at, the, at times, it's not his strength. There are times when he can make it look good. There's times where he gets a good first step and he'll beat a defender, but... I really don't think Jalen Green's strength is sitting there trying to break down a defender one-on-one and then on top of that have to make the read when a second defender comes over. There's other guys on the roster who are just frankly better at that right now. So let him do what he is good at, right? Let him catch and shoot. Let him cut. Let him play off ball and do more of that like what we saw in this game specifically there in that third quarter. Jalen Green had how many, I don't know, catch and shoot three-point attempts where he just caught the ball and immediately elevated and pulled up for a three or he had the give and go attempt that I highlighted uh, off the pass from Alperin Shingun. Uh, that was his fifth bucket. So he was four of six from long distance in that third quarter. He was five of seven overall. Again, that one bucket coming uh, off the feed from Alperin Shingun. He had one play where he drove it in from the baseline and tried to challenge uh, the Pistons right there at the rim. And he, he elevated like he was going to yam it back. He was nowhere near completing that dunk because he elevated from like well outside the paint, but he drew a bunch of contact, right? He got to the rim. So I think the way that Jalen played there in that third quarter, playing off of other guys, playing within the flow of the offense and just knocking down those open shots is a recipe for a consistent Jalen green. Now, the big question is, can he keep that shot consistent, right? Because if we're, we're talking about him shooting four of six from three in that quarter, whereas There's been other games this season where he goes one of five from three point land or oh of six or whatever. So it's knocking down those shots and being that consistent threat from three that is going to allow him to stay on the basketball court because he has improved as a defender. He has improved as a playmaker. His effort is there. He's trying harder than he has at any point in his career before this. It's all about whether or not he can just put the ball in the basket. 
and it doesn't have to be as hard as it, you know, the Rockets make it out to be sometimes. Jalen doesn't have to have the ball in his hands and isolate on a defender and try to create everything for himself. He can play off of other guys, specifically Alper and Shingun. And that's exactly what was happening that quarter. Alpi was the maestro. He was running everything in that quarter. And the Pistons defense was so focused on trying to stop him and failing to do so that it left other guys wide open. And that's how Jalen was able to feast and get his 17 points off of wide open threes, off of ball movement that was generated by predominantly other guys that were on the floor. And that's okay. Jalen doesn't have to be the be-all, end-all of this Rockets offense. There can be stretches where he runs the show, where he runs some pick and roll, where, you know, he attacks and gets the defense rotating, sure. But it doesn't feel like that's necessarily his strength at this point. And... I'd like to see the Rockets continue to try to utilize him the way that they did in that third quarter moving forward because I think that is the recipe for a sustainable, consistent Jalen Green as long as he's knocking down shots. The Rockets also got Jabari Smith Jr. back in this game. It was good to have Jabari back on the floor in this one. A bit of a quiet night for Jabari Smith Jr. Nine points, three of seven shooting. He was three of five from long distance. Knocked down a couple early triples, and I get that it was his first game back from injury. Uh, he did he, he did have six rebounds and an assist as well. Had a blocked shot in there. I, I get that it was his first game back from injury, but after knocking down a couple triples, I, I just, it was another one of those nights where I just thought, man, like I, at, at some point, it was, it was early in the third quarter after Jabari had knocked down what I believe was his third triple, and I looked at myself and I thought, man, like, get this dude more touches. Like, he's back from injury. He's hitting his threes. Like, you know, get him a couple touches, right? Let him, you know, run some of the offense, run some stuff through him, give him some sets. And I think that's one of the frustrating parts when you have a team with so many offensive weapons where you know, on any given night, right, you've got Al P, you've got Jalen, you've got Fred. When Dylan's healthy, you have him, and usually the mismatches that other teams try to get away with by putting a smaller defender on Dylan, so then you can go to his little, you know, Dylan post-up move that's been really efficient this season. Off the bench, you've got uh, Jeff Green, you've got Tari Eason, you've got Amin Thompson, like Aaron Holiday. There's so many different guys who are capable of putting the ball in the basket for this Rockets team that I do think at times they, they fail to recognize that they do need to share the basketball a little bit better and make sure that the guys who are staples, right, the, the, the mainstays of this team need to get involved. So I'm not going to fault them too much for it. The game worked. They blew them out in the third quarter. Alpi and Jalen were dominant. It worked. But it still was just a thing where I looked up and I was just like, how does he only have like five shot attempts here? And we're in the third quarter. And he's been one of the most consistent offensive forces for this team this season, especially over this most recent stretch of, you know, last couple weeks or whatever, pre-injury, where you get the ball to Jabari at the elbow or, you know, on a post-up. And he's pretty much money from that mid-range area. So it feels like the Rockets kind of got away from that in this game. And they hadn't quite found the offensive firepower that they got from Shingun and Jalen when I made that remark. So it was kind of funny because then like I immediately was like, Jabari needs more touches. And then Shingun and Jalen went on a tear in the third quarter. And I was like, wow, I'm going to look like an idiot for this one. Anyways, it is what it is. It was good to have Jabari back in the lineup. Uh, good to have his size back out there uh, against this Pistons team. And uh, I do want to highlight here some of the, uh, defensive approach against this Pistons team as well. Some of the ways that the Rockets were able to uh, slow the Pistons down here in this game, as well as Amin Thompson and Cam Whitmore making the most of their minutes. It was twin night 
for Amin Thompson, the first time that Amin and Asar have played against each other in their careers. That was an exciting night, so highlight some moments from that, as well as some of the standout plays from this game. We got a couple different Rockets posters to talk about in this one. Man, one poster, one insane dunk from Jeff Green turning back the clock. We're going to get there in just one moment. First today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. The NFL regular season is wrapping up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place just a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. And all you have to do is wager $5. It's that easy. The app is so easy to use. And there's so many different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays. You can find bets in the new Explore tab. Make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, the best way to find popular parlays. Right now, you can even take a look at the outright betting favorites for Super Bowl 58. The San Francisco 49ers at plus 210 to win it all this season. Right behind them, the Baltimore Ravens plus 350. Dallas Cowboys plus 850. And rounding up the top five, you got the Kansas City Chiefs and Buffalo Bills both at plus 950 to win this year's Super Bowl. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get in on the action this NFL postseason. Again, that's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Wanted to highlight a couple things here on the defensive side of the ball for the Rockets before diving into uh, what Amin Thompson and Cam Whitmore were able to do in this game, as well as a few other, you know, takeaways, little quick highlights from this one, because uh, it was a fun game against the Pistons. It was twin night, Amin and Asar playing against each other for the first time. They they did a jersey swap after the game. They did a little post-game Q&A. Uh, I wasn't in person for the game, unfortunately. Again, still feeling a little under the weather, but uh, I heard it went really well. I heard it was fun. Shout out to uh, Rockets PR, Rockets Marketing for <clears throat> kind of gassing up this, you know, this uh, twin Twin night, they had, uh, you know, twin national anthem performers. They had uh, the Cavender twins do the first shots, plural. Um, it was just kind of a cool night. They did, like, twin-based trivia and games and stuff all night. So it's just cool when they come up with fun stuff, you know, like that within within a given, you know, individual game, kind of like the NBA paint uh, game a few weeks back against the Grizzlies. That one was a ton of fun. So uh, just wanted to give them a quick shout-out for that. Uh in this one, though, defensively, uh, the Rockets, I thought, you know, given how well Cade Cunningham had been playing as of late, I thought the Rockets actually did a really phenomenal job on Cade in this game. He finished with just six points on three of 16 shooting. He was 0-5 from long distance, only made it to the free throw line once and missed it. He did have 10 assists, but he also had four turnovers. Just a really rough outing for Cade. And I know that that's not the norm, right? He's been playing out of his freaking mind trying to drag the Pistons to ending the losing streak, which ultimately they did against the Toronto Raptors before making their way to Houston. But, uh, you know, I thought the Rockets did a really solid job on him, right? Guys, you know, Jay Sean Tate, Tari Eason, some of the primary defenders on Cade Cunningham, other guys kind of handling him on on switches. Um, and more or less, like, it's just the, Ro- the Rockets knew that they had basically one guy that they had to shut down, and that was Cade, and they achieved that, right? If you shut down Cade Cunningham, the Pistons are going to crumble. Um, elsewhere, uh, Alec Burks had a decent game off the bench for the Pistons, 21 points on 6 of 11 shooting. He got free a little bit, um, knocked down some shots, got to the free throw line a little bit. The other guy that I was mostly impressed with, I know I highlighted Jalen Duran earlier in this game. Uh, and, and he had an impressive first half before the foul trouble kind of caught up to him and, and the Rockets just dominated in that third quarter. 
But uh, Jaden Ivey, who's had such a weird season, right? Like, you know, he starts the year, then he's coming off the bench, then he's not starting. He's, he's been all over the place with whatever Monty Williams is trying to do there in Detroit. Uh, but Jaden Ivey had a had a pretty phenomenal game, right? 19 points, 6 of 10 shooting. He was 3 of 4 from long distance, got to the free throw line four times, uh, had six boards, had a few assists. Like, Jaden Ivey looks really good. And, like, that should be their backcourt of the future, right? That should be every everybody that they're highlighting should be Ivy and Cunningham, Ivy and Cunningham. And then Jalen Duran as well in the middle is really solid. You've got Asarta. Like, there's talent on this Pistons team is the crazy part. Uh, so I just wanted to give him his props because Jaden Ivy looked really good in this game. The Rockets kind of struggled to – at times they just gave him some wide-open threes was the problem, and that's kind of maybe the book on Jaden Ivey. He struggled as a three-point shooter, as an outside shooting threat, so maybe that was by design. They were okay with giving him those shots as part of the game plan, and he just you know knocked them down tonight. But uh, I liked what I saw out of him, and I was higher on Jaden Ivey than I was on Paolo Bancaro during the, during the NBA draft, so uh, I stand by that. I think Jaden Ivey's got a really – uh, bright future ahead of him. And same with Cade Cunningham. He's been that guy for the Pistons. He just had a, a rough night. And credit to the Rockets uh, kind of ace defenders, uh, Jay Sean Tate, Tari Eason, who I thought did a pretty phenomenal job guarding uh, Cade Cunningham throughout the evening, especially Tari Eason, who continues to just be insane in his production level. 17 points, four rebounds, had an assist, had three steals off the Rockets bench. A really strong night for him. And Jay Sean Tate, uh, still in the starting lineup, still not a big fan of Jay Sean Tate in the starting lineup, you know, with just the way that, you know, with just how impactful Tari Eason has been. But a big part of that is, and I've, I've you know, raised this concern here before. I, I wonder what Tari's impact, you know, how Tari's impact would feel in the starting lineup versus coming off the bench. Uh, something about his ability to just come in and change the energy of a game off the bench is really important for this Rockets team, I feel like. So maybe that has a little bit of something to do with it. Maybe it is still kind of a minutes restriction kind of thing for Tari. But either way, you've got Jay Sean Tate playing 26 minutes because he fouled out. You've got Tari Eason playing 24 minutes. Last game, Tari Eason played 27 minutes. Like You can probably get away with starting Tari Eason and figuring out a way to sub him out early or whatever because he's a more complimentary fit for the rest of those Rockets starters than Jay Sean Tate is. However... I will highlight for all, all the uh, the Tater haters out there. Jay Sean Tate had a couple, you know, rough possessions early in this game. He missed a couple free throws, and then he uh, had the turnover. But then it was like after those couple flubs early in the first quarter, he really started to find himself specifically off of cutting. Like, it was ridiculous watching Jay Sean Tate and Alper and Shingun work together to where Alpi would have the ball and just Jay Sean Tate would just cut. And then Alpi would find him on these little cuts and he would go, you know, cutting back door behind his defenders, you know, cutting through the lane as Alpi was trying to post up. And, and that's one of the things that Jay Sean Tate does incredibly well. It, well, Jay Sean Tate does a lot of things incredibly well, but his cutting is a really important weapon for him to use. I don't like it when the Rockets are just content with letting Jay Sean Tate sit at the three point line. Because other teams don't care. Other teams don't honor him as a shooter. And I know that he's improved his shot a little bit this season, and he's been a little bit more reliable from three. Uh, I actually haven't checked the percentage in a little while, so I don't know if it's like back to what he's been shooting kind of historically around like 30, 31%. But I test, right? It, he shot the ball better this season, at least from what I can remember. But he's more effective when he's cutting, right? Jay Shantate is insane when it comes to finishing in and around the basket. It seems like he's able to finish in the land of the trees. He's got the pump fakes. He's got the spins, all of that, the little bag. He can drop, you know, dip his shoulder into a defender and finish over the top. Whatever it is, 
And he did that and got his season high 16 points in this game. Uh, predominantly all off cuts, right? He had a couple where he just drove the ball in and did his thing where he you know, drives in from the three-point line and does the, the spin finish layup at the rim. But he got a lot of his points off of cutting actions. So I like that. I want to continue to see the Rockets have more ball movement because it does kind of feel like for a little while there, they fell into that lull where... LP would just kind of be doing his thing and everybody else would just be standing around waiting for him to do something. And that's not effective offense, right? You have to get the entry pass. Person who throws the entry pass has to clear out to give LP the space. And then you need to have something happening off ball, right? Whether it's, you know, setting a screen to open up a three-point shooter, whether it's a guy cutting through the paint when his defender turns his head, whatever it needs to be, there need to be actions happening away from the ball when LP is posting up to make use of his passing ability, right? And to make use of the fact that oftentimes teams will send a second defender at him to try and slow him down. And I think the Rockets are starting to do a better job of that, right? We saw it a little bit with Jalen. We saw it a lot with Jay Sean Tate. We're seeing it from Tari Eason. We're seeing it from a lot of different guys who are understanding, hey, if I cut when LP has the basketball, good things will happen. And that needs to be a consistent part of the Rockets offense moving forward. Uh, off the Rockets bench, Amin Thompson playing on twin night, uh, 12 points, four rebounds, six assists, two steals, five of six shooting, including a three-pointer. At one point, he had a pull-up midi. Uh, just some really strong play from Amin Thompson. It, it, you know, it's important to remember, Amin, what, what is he, is this his, like, 10th NBA game of his career? What is he up to? Let me see. Uh, games played... 12 games. Sorry, he's played 12 games this season. He's basically still in the first, like, I don't know, three weeks of his NBA career because he missed so much time due to the ankle injury. Then he missed time from being sick. And it, I, I think there were a lot of people who have been maybe a little out way too early on him in Thompson, expecting him to be an immediate contributor right away and, you know, all this. And he looks good, man. He looks comfortable out there. He's settling in. Uh, he's understanding where he can make his reads, how he can, you know, get other guys involved offensively. You see him when he just decides that he's going to attack and collapse the defense and then make the read, right? He knows where shooters are. He knows where his teammates are. Um, just a, a really kind of strong game from him. And and you got to imagine that there were probably some nerves, you know, on twin night going up against his brother, all of that. And he didn't, you know, one, he's he's got like one of the greatest poker faces of all time. You can't tell. There's like, just stone face, stoic, no emotion on his face at times until he smiles or something. But he's all business all the time. Liked what we saw out of Amin Thompson in this game. And if he's going to be able to knock down that three-point shot with confidence, which he did, the one three-point attempt that he took, he just ball found him. He had no defender anywhere near him. He was like, all right, cool. I'm pulling the trigger. Knocked it down. If he's going to knock down those shots, then this dude is going to be a future like multi-time all-star. He's going to be a superstar. At, at you know at some point in his career because that's the one knock on his game is his outside shooting and now we're seeing him comfortably knock down wide open threes pull up from mid-range right get to his little you know little little mid-range bag and then elevate if he can do that consistently and just keep a defense honest where they know that they can't leave him wide open at the three-point line then he's going to be just fine it's kind of like John Morant right John Morant was never, you know, uh, widely regarded as this, like, amazing three-point shooter, but he worked on it. He got comfortable enough from three to where now teams cannot leave jaw wide open from three, right? You just can't do it. And he's so explosive and so athletic that 
because you have to honor him from three, he's got that lightning quick first step. He'll explode past you. He got, he's got the spins. He'll elevate. He'll finish through contact or just dunk it and yam it on your head. That's the kind of stuff that a Min Thompson is going to be able to do as long as he keeps the defense honest by being able to knock down those shots. And so it's going to take a little bit of time for you know, the NBA to get kind of the book on him where they're going to be like, all right, scouting report now says, hey, we got to go out and guard him because he's going to knock down these threes if we leave him wide open. Uh so that's just a, a nice little development from a minute. And again, the six assists, right? He's got the, the passing bag is absolutely there. He picked up, you know, some of those in garbage time, but that's, that's fine. He was impactful in the minutes that he played, continues to get those consistent rotation minutes. It's a good sign for a Min Thompson moving forward. And last guy I want to talk about here, save the best for last. No, I'm kidding. Uh, Cam Whitmore, who just, it's so funny watching Cam checks into the game and like less than 10 seconds into the game, he runs a dribble handoff set and he immediately launches a three and just drills it like within like this is literally his first play of the game and he's off the bench. And he's like already gunning. Then a couple possessions later, he gets an absolutely filthy, disgusting, nasty poster on uh, Marvin Bagley. He was trying to guard the rim. Cam was on the perimeter. Did a little, you know, gave a little jab step, shook his defender, drove right into the paint and just elevated and yammed it on Bagley and had some words for him afterwards. He was in his face. I'm really surprised. I don't know if like the refs were just mentally checked out of the game and there's like, oh, what? Cam Whitmore dunked? Okay, whatever. Uh, but I mean, he was t he was in his face, in his grill, talking after the dunk. The Rockets bench, like, I mean, you, it was funny watching each individual reaction on the bench when you're watching the replay. As soon as Cam has the open lane, Fred was just like kind of leaned back on the bench, like arms tucked in, like just kind of hanging out. Fred was the first guy that started to move. And Fred like immediately like was like getting his arms out of the way. And he like was pushing off of like the assistant coach to his left and like Al P to his right. And he was like getting ready to stand up before Cam even dunked the ball. And then to see the rest of the bench just completely fall out, standing up, you know, laughing, loving it, watching Cam get after it. It was Cam is that guy, and you can kind of tell, right? He's just he's comfortable. He understands. He Cam had a you know the the little give and go moment um, himself. Like there's just there's a lot to what Cam Whitmore can bring to the table offensively for this Rockets team. But then you also see some of the moments right defensively where there were some points where you know the Rockets are switching things and Cam got you know lost on a switch. It led to a wide open three pointer. Didn't box out on one possession. Like there's just these little things. And Ime has been consistent in his message that for Cam to get minutes, he has to be consistent across the board. We know what he can do offensively. We know that he can provide a spark to this team offensively, which is something that they definitely need. But he also can't be an inconsistent presence on the defensive end, right? It's not for lack of energy. It's not for lack of effort or anything. He's trying. There's just moments where he just gets lost. There's just moments where, you know, a, a switch will happen or he's not following the scheme or, or not paying attention, whatever. And that's okay. He's a rookie. And there's going to be moments like that. That's what it, that's what's cool about, you know, him being able to stay with the big boys now. And he's, I would imagine he's probably done playing with the G league because you put cam down at the G league and he's just going to average like 30, 10 and 10. Uh, there's not much else for him to learn playing at the G League level. He needs consistent NBA minutes. He needs consistent NBA reps. 
And it's just unfortunate that the Rockets don't have enough runway to be able to give Amin and Cam the leash to, you know, go out there and, and make mistakes and live with the lumps that they're going to have as they struggle through some of their, you know, rookie moments because they're trying to win games, right? You're going to have to live with some of those moments with Amin Thompson. It's really hard to make that decision and live with those moments from two rookies. So that's why we haven't seen Cam in the rotation consistently yet. Uh, we did get to see Reggie Bullock in the rotation for this game, though. So that was a, a bit of a welcome surprise. Reggie Bullock finally knocking down a three-pointer, uh, as well as having that assist to Cam Whitmore on the little uh, the little give-and-go play. So Reggie Bullock with some rotation minutes. but And then we saw the Twin Tower lineup to close things out. That's how much of a blowout this game was, as we saw Jock Landale and Boban Marjanovic in the game at the same time with one another, which was uh, kind of a funny sight. Boban had to pull the trigger on a three-pointer. Uh, look, this was... Uh, a, a much-needed kind of tune-up game, blowout win for the Rockets, get back on track, you end the losing streak, you get back to defending home court. Uh, hopefully the Rockets can build on this. They got the Nets in town on Wednesday, and that'll be a ton of fun. And last thing of note from this game, good old Steven Silas was back in town, and he got a front-row seat to watching an Alperin Shingoon masterclass, watching Jalen Green drill shot after shot after shot in the third quarter. Uh, watching Tari Eason produce at a ridiculous level. And, you know, again, shout out to Steven Silas, one of the kindest, greatest human beings that you will ever have the chance to to meet in your life. But, you know, I'm sure it was a bit frustrating or a bit bittersweet. <coughs> Woo! Sneeze at the end. We're falling apart here at the end of the podcast. Um, I think there was a narrative running around for, with Rockets fans that, like, Rockets players were, like, you know, out to get revenge on Steven Silas in this game. Or like, I saw somebody say that like Jalen was like, you know, calling out the bench and pointing at <clears throat> Steven Silas over on the Pistons bench after knocking down a three. Uh, all the Rockets players loved Steven Silas. There is not any bad blood between any of the Rockets players and Steven Silas. Many of the players on the Rockets roster went to go uh, say hi to Steven to welcome him in his return before the game or to go catch up with him after the game. There's not any bad blood there. It's not that it's not that type of game. As much as Rockets fans want to make it out to be something bigger than it is, uh, it's just the Rockets sucked for the last three years and Steven Silas was the face of that struggle, unfortunately. So... Uh, and now he's also part of the face of the Pistons with the longest losing streak in NBA history. So there is one common denominator to some of those incredibly long losing streaks in NBA history, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, on that note, that's going to do it. Final thoughts from this Rockets-Pistons blowout, hopefully a game that uh, allows the Rockets to kind of tune up and, and get back to their winning ways moving forward. Uh, but as always, thank you so much for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts, as well as on YouTube. Go to YouTube, search Locked on Rockets. Give me, tell me your favorite moment from this game, your favorite play, your favorite moment, your favorite bucket, whatever. Let me know in the YouTube comments. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. 